Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Let me start a new sermon series today. I'm starting one called The Q-Zone. That is answering life's most important questions. Between now and Easter, we're going to look at the five, what are considered maybe the five biggest questions in life. These are not questions that can go unanswered. These are, as a matter of fact, these are questions that demand a response from the world. Not just from Christians, but from the world. That when we ask these questions, they must be asked and they must be answered. So over the next five weeks, we're going to stay in in the Q zone and talk about it. So I want to start at the beginning place. I want to start today with does God exist? The beginning problem. Does God exist? The greatest question of life that you must answer, that I must answer today, is this question, does God exist? So turn your Bible to Romans chapter 1, and we'll turn there in a moment. Well, if you don't believe in God, where does that leave you? We know this when you study um, how do you feel about religion, we see people are increasingly becoming less and less religious, less and less uh, believers in God. If you, I know you can't see it clearly here, but it looks at it by nation. The blue represents not religious and the yellow represents atheism. When you look around the globe and you study or you survey those who are not religious or those who are out and out and atheists, you start seeing some things that make sense. For example, in China, 74% of the population are either not religious or atheists. Germany, it's 34%. Italy, 25%. Russia, 22 Get this, the USA, 22%. That 22% of Americans now are classified either as not religious at all or atheists in their beliefs. And so that makes me drill down just a little bit more. 22% of Americans say they're not religious or atheist, uh, what, what, what does that mean? When somebody says they are an atheist or they don't believe in God, what does that mean? Well, let me show you a few things. If you define atheism just by uh, uh, Webster's Dictionary, the literal definition of atheist is a person who does not believe in the existence of a God or any gods, according to Miriam. So, so atheism at its most base definition is I don't believe in a monotheistic God, a religious system. I don't believe in a polytheistic religious. I just don't believe in any kind of God. Big G, little G, one, many. I have no belief. There is no such thing as God. But that's not the only thing we can look at. Some people are agnostic. That's a person who holds the view that any ultimate reality about God is unknown and probably unknowable. So an agnostic said, well, there could be a God But if there's a God, there's no way of knowing if there is a God. So we have, in our culture, atheists who say there is no God, and it's increasing. We have agnostics who say, there's probably not a God, but since I don't have all knowledge, I can't 
prove that. Then we find this out about America, that the share of Americans who identify as atheist has increased modestly but significantly in the past decade. Pew Research Center telephone surveys conducted in 2018-19 show that 4% of American adults say they're atheists when asked about their religious identity, up from 2%. So basically it's doubled. An additional 5% of Americans call themselves agnostic, up from 3% a decade ago. So what we're seeing in America is the proliferation of atheism, the proliferation of agnosticism as well. And then we find out the vast majority of U.S. atheists say religion is not too or not at all important in their lives, of course, 93%, and that they seldom or never pray. Of course, they seldom or never pray because they don't have anybody to pray to. I'm trying to figure out who the 3% are praying to. If you don't believe in God. But the real problem in our culture are not atheists and agnostics. The real problem in our culture is what we call practical atheism. Practical atheism. Let me define for you, and I'll let somebody else define practical atheism to you. Craig Gay put in his book, The Way of the Modern World, the problem isn't atheism. In fact, a red-blooded atheist is hard to find. The problem, he said, is practical atheism. Now, follow me. It's not that people do not believe in God. It's that they live as if God is largely irrelevant. That's what secularism does to us. It doesn't disprove our faith. It dismisses our faith. It makes faith an issue of personal, private belief disconnected from the outside world. Now look at what he's saying. The problem is not that you say there is no God. The problem is that God is irrelevant in your life. Now hold on. As as ludicrous as this may sound, even a believer can fall in this category. If you view Christ as nothing more than fire insurance against an eternal hell, that once I get saved, once I give my life to Jesus, then I'm just going to go on and live my life any way I want to. Listen, first of all, I question your salvation. But second of all, I definitely question your theology. See, if there is a God, it demands that something happens in my life. If there is a God, it demands that I live a certain way. If there is a God, I do not have the luxury of being a practical atheist. If I answer the question, does God exist? And I say, yes, it demands something from me. We all have to wrestle with the question, does God exist? And how you answer that question means everything. Now, what does the Bible say about does God exist? One of my favorite things about the Word of God is that the Bible never argues for the existence of God. There's not a chapter in your Bible that you can turn to where where the Bible says, okay, let me prove to you that there is a God. As a matter of fact, here's how it starts out. In the beginning, God The Bible just says, you know what? Common sense says there must be a God. And we'll look at that in a moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first 
chapter, uh, the very first verse ever written in our scriptures on behalf of a holy God assumes there is a God. In the beginning, God. What does the Bible say about God? The Bible thinks it would be uh, ridiculous not to believe in a holy God. But again, that's not our problem. Our problem is we say amen to this verse, but we live as if we don't believe it. Does God exist? Would you stand with me as we read his word, Romans chapter 1, beginning verse number 18. I want us to examine that question a little bit closer. Does God exist and how does it impact our lives? And I just want to make three observations as we get into Romans chapter 1. Look at verse number 18. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. If you underline in your Bible, it's a great phrase to draw the line under. People are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Verse 24. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desire of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. In this passage, Paul is dealing with this Romans 1 passage, the existence of God and our acknowledgement of the existence of God. So I want to go through here and as we're contemplating, does God exist? I want to make three statements that Paul, and by the way, there's so much preaching in here. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, uh, doing justice to the exposition of this passage. I don't have time, but let me make three major points when it comes to this question, does God exist? First of all, I want you to know this, that God less less turns into God lessness. Now, this is not really a word. When I sent my notes to Sherry Odom to put them up here, she's like, hey, I think you misspelled a word. No, I didn't misspell it. I made one up is what I did. God less less. Meaning the, the people who do not want there to be a God, the people who will not acknowledge a God. Paul talks about them in Romans one uh, eighteen. Uh, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
Now, here's what Paul was trying to tell us in this passage, that we live in a culture, we live in a time, and by the way, it's not just our culture. It was happening in Paul's time. It, it, it happened in the, in the Mayans' time. Like it's, it's been around all the time. We see it right now there. They have suppressed the truth of God, and God naturally, naturally reveals to everyone in order to believe anything that supports their own self-centered lifestyles. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say by all that. That God, they have suppressed the natural revelation of God in their life so that they continue to live a self-centered lifestyle. It's not that they don't believe God exists. We live in a world that doesn't want God to exist. They can't theologically prove he doesn't exist. They don't even care to do that. They don't want to believe that there is a God exists, that God exists because they don't want to um, hinder their lifestyle. As a matter of fact, I could say this about them. They would rather indulge their sin than include God in their lives. God lessless turns into God lessness. You're going to be so confused when you leave today. Because they would rather indulge their sin than include God in their lives. Because they know that if a God were to exist, their lifestyle would not be correct. So they do away with God instead of repenting of their lifestyle. So we live in a culture today that says, I don't believe in God. They've not theologically tried to prove there's no God. They've not intellectually tried to prove there's no God. All they've done is looked at their lifestyle and say, I'd rather have my lifestyle than acknowledge the presence of God. And when you're confronted with truth and that truth disagrees with your current reality, the culture would rather suppress the truth than alter your current reality. Meaning, I don't want there to be any God in my life because God would demand a verdict from me somehow. God would demand a lifestyle change from me somehow. You know, um, we, we just crawled off a cruise ship yesterday morning. Uh, I may be up a couple of pounds in weight. I may be a little tighter in my jeans this morning. Um, my, my wife and I kind of, you know, about three years ago, we started that whole keto thing. And basically, we don't eat sugar or carbs. You, you know what it is. Uh, uh, I don't care whether you do it or not. Just that's how we live. And so it's kind of gotten popular in the last three years. And we've noticed a lot of um, products are coming out on the market that claim to be low carb. They claim to be keto. And so anytime, you know, a keto Dorito comes on the market, I'm going to buy it. I want to try it, right? And, and you know better because we'll go buy this stuff. And on the front, it'll say low carb. And man, we're, I mean, I'm excited. You just, uh, food excites me, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. And then I flip it on the back and you look at the carb count and it'll say something like only 50 carbs. Well, I don't eat 50 carbs in a week, let alone a day. But on the front, it says low carb. On the back, it says 50. Somebody's lying. 
But since it says low carb, I'm just going to close my eyes and eat it. Even though I know it's a lie. On a cruise ship this week, they had a, you know, you get a three-course meal when you go to dining, those ever crude, you get an appetizer, an entree, and then a dessert after it. And uh, now, they didn't do, used to do this before, but now they have a dessert option that says less calories, less sugar. Which if you don't know, sugar is just a carb, it's pure carb. And so, uh, but it says less in front of it. Now, all that means is instead of having 300 carbs in this piece of pie, it has 299 carbs in the piece of pie. But in my mind, it says less carbs, which I translate to be keto-friendly in my mind. Final thing. I'm talking about food too much, but I'm talking about food. So, uh, uh, you know, um, I used to be addicted to Coca-Cola's, and now I'm addicted to Diet Coke, but that's another story. But when you go to a restaurant, if, if you don't want sugar, you have to ask. I, all the time, Diet Coke tastes really sweet to me. And so every, every restaurant I go to, it's the same. I can't help it. I taste the sip of the Diet Coke, and I'm like, um, hey, is this really Diet Coke because it's really sweet? And listen, about 30% of the time, a waiter or waitress will say to me, I think it's Diet Coke. Is that what you ordered? And I'm always like this. Well, if you think it is, I'm sure it is Diet Coke. Don't tell me you're different. I don't want any knowledge. I don't want actual facts to upset my current lifestyle choice. I'd rather stick my head in the sand and move on like I'm right instead of really do what I'm supposed to do. Now, that's, that's food, but that's also our world. Because our world would rather just dive back into what's wrong. Man, our world would rather take that packaging, look on the back of it, and it say a violation against God. But when they flip it on the front side, it has the culture stamp of approval on it. And they'd rather go with the culture stamp of approval than look under the back of it and see that a holy God doesn't accept this lifestyle. They'd rather deny God than to accept his existence and have to change. Would you take a godless opinion on does God exist? Why would you? The real question we have to ask ourselves this morning is not does God exist, but do you want God to exist? I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a few more minutes, and I'm going to tell you in a minute, that is an absolute question that people in this room, and by this room, I mean under the sound of preaching, listening to the Word of God and worship, claim to be members and claim to be saved, you've got to ask yourself this question, do you want God to exist? Because if you do, and He does, you can't act like he doesn't. Because God less less turns into God lessness before it's over. Second thing Paul would tell us about this passage number two is there is plenty of evidence 
for God. Let, let me just walk you through what, what he says right here. He says this, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Let me just walk you through that just for a second. Since what can be known about God is evident to them. Here's what it means. is visible, clear, obvious. It is a, this word evident means a public declaration. How do we know that? The Bible says because God has shown it to them. He has given us all visible evidence. Now get this, about his invisible attributes. (laughs) His invisible attributes. Now look what he says. His invisible attributes have been clearly seen. Now that doesn't even make sense. Invisible attributes clearly seen. There's only one word that's a problem in there. It's that word invisible. But God says, my invisible attributes are clearly seen. Now, here's what he goes on to talk about. Here are the things that we can point to that are the invisible attributes of God that are clearly seen. It it is the things of creation that demand design. For example, the cosmos, the earth, has a design. Your human body has a design that is clear evidence of the existence of God. As a matter of fact, Sherry, just change these slides with me. I'm going to go through these. Just keep up with me here. For example, let me give you some ideas about some things that have to be divine nature. The human brain has the ability to process and store almost an infinite amount of information. With each memory being stored in multiple locations in the brain and retrieved in a fraction of a second. This is a remarkable feat considering that here. If the brain were a computer... It would be able to perform 20 million billion calculations per second faster than the world's most advanced computer. And there are those that would tell us that's an accident. Secondly, the human nervous system transmits information at 120 meters per second faster than the fastest fiber optic cable. This lightning fast speed allows us to react to stimuli in real time demonstrating the incredible complexity and efficiency of the human nervous system. What do you mean? Here's how it has to work. When you put your hand on a hot stove, your nervous system has to immediately say, ouch. Because if there's a delay, you're going to be hurt. And God designed it with no delay. The human eye captures and processes light to create clear and vivid images with a resolution equivalent to a 576 megapixel camera. The next one, the preci- I love this stuff. The precise, precise distance of the earth from the sun, known as Goldilocks zone, is such that it receives just the right amount of sunlight to support life. Any closer than the earth would be too hot, any farther would be too cold. So here's what people who don't believe in God would wish us to believe, that the earth just happened to wind up where it was. And finally, the Earth's tilt of 23.5 degrees on its axis plays a critical role in regulating the planet's climate and weather patterns, making it possible for life to thrive. If it were slightly off, it would result in uneven sun distribution that would lead to famine, drought, severe temperatures, extinction of species, and rise of diseases and cancers. The The complexity of design in our bodies... Screams, you have plenty of evidence that there is a God. 
the complexity of the design of our universe screams that there has to be a divine creator. Yet for people who would question, is there a God? They look at all that and say, oh, it's just accident, accident. Big bang, something sparked this and something sparked back. Yes, do you believe in the big bang theory? I do. I believe a big God said bang and there it was. You say, well, I just can't go that far. Okay, so let me tell you what you believe. Let, let me tell you this. This is incredible. And I'm calling Channel 3 News after this. Let me tell you how incredible this is. This week while I was going on a cruise, I came home and an iPhone had fallen out of the sky. And when I got scientists to look at it, here's what they said, that it, it's made from metal and rocks from Mars. And the best thing they can figure out is that the iPhone on Mars had just been a pile of rocks and metal and had been spinning around Mars for millions of years and finally broke loose of the atmosphere and it went towards Earth and it came to Earth and on the way there got hooked up with Verizon. <laughs> Landed in my backyard and I'm using it this morning. Man, that's pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool. You say, well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. No, the dumbest thing you ever heard is that your body happened by accident. The dumbest thing you have ever heard is that our world happened by accident. There is plenty of evidence for God. Look at this verse. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age, listen, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. Listen to me. The dumbest thing you ever heard is all of this happened by accident. If you don't believe an iPhone fell from Mars, how can you believe your body came from primordial slime 23 million years ago. There's plenty of evidence for God, and hear me. Because I'm talking to Christians today. You have to believe in enough evidence for God that you are changing your life. Paul said this, you have no excuse. What do I not have an excuse for? It's not just that you don't have an excuse for believing in God. It's that you have no excuse for not giving your life to that almighty God. That you have no excuse for not building relationship with an almighty God. You have no excuse, hear me this morning, you have no excuse for not being in church Sunday in, Sunday out. You have no excuse for not getting your life right Sunday in, Sunday out. You have no excuse for not honoring God with your finances week in and week out. You say, preacher, what's that got to do with it? If God exists, and he does, none of us have any excuse for not obeying him. And so the third thing. Number three. Paul said you have no excuse, but make no doubt you will worship something. When you come to this debate about God, here is the truth. Nobody leaves a worship void in their life. Paul, Paul said it. Paul said uh, uh, let, let me go to the next slide, Sherry. Paul said, uh, this, Paul said you're going to worship man, birds, animals, or reptiles. <laughs> man, birds, animals, reptiles. 
It's been done for all the time. He, he said in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. In other words, when you're willing to ignore the evidence for God and create a religion to fit your own desires, by the way, even atheism, you've chosen to worship the creation instead of the creator. God said, when you do that, he'll deliver you over to the desires of your heart, sexual impurity, so the bodies were degraded among themselves. Delivered them over to the desires of their heart. When you worship the creation instead of the creator, God will hand you over. Meaning this, once you reject God, you become your own God. You become your own God. And whatever you desire to do, you will do. And just to paraphrase what Paul said, when you reject the Creator, inevitably, inevitably, you wind up worshiping the creature. Your desires become more important than God's decrees. My lust become more important than his word. My thoughts become more important than God's word. Would you stand with me across the room? The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists were founded in 1945 by Albert Einstein and scientists who helped develop the Manhattan Project. They invented something, you're, you're seeing it here, called the Doomsday Clock. It's a metaphorical measure of challenges to humanity and how close we are to doomsday. In 2023, January 24th this year, they said this, we are now 90 seconds before midnight when it comes to doomsday. They said we are closer to widespread human calamity than we've ever been before in our lives. And it was moved forward because of the war in Ukraine and some other things. For the last two years before this, it has been hanging out at 100 seconds to midnight. As a matter of fact, I think I have this up here. Uh, the clock created started when it was set to 100 seconds to midnight in 2020. The first time the famous clock had gone down to seconds rather than minutes. Rather than minutes. The atomic scientist said we are at doom's doorstep. 90 seconds away. We may be closer than that. Like I'm, I'm shocked that the culture, those scientists, they get it. It's not, we're not at doom's doorstep for what they think we're there for. We're at doom's doorstep because of Romans chapter one. We worship the creature more than the creator. And I know what, I know what you're thinking in the room. Whew, glad that's not me. I don't have any reptiles I'm worshiping. I don't have any birds I'm worshiping. I'm good. Well, hold on. Are you living more for your desires than you are God's decrees? Her world is doing it. I don't have time to get into all this. I'm running out of time now. 
her world is doing this, right? Like, what do you mean? Well, we have people going around say you can be any gender you want to be. Denying the fact that in the, the beginning, God said he created man and woman. You marry anybody you want to marry. Despite the fact that God said that union is between a husband and a wife. You have any sexual orientation you want to have, sky's the limit. You can create any theology you want to create. All that's the byproduct of Romans 1. We worship the creation more than creator. Now, again, you sit here this morning and you say, it's not me, man. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that preacher. Amen. I vote the right way. I think the right way. I watch the right news channel. I got it. But even among Christians, we slide things in front of God that we worship. For some, it's our family. We put our family in front of God. We put money in front of God. We put happiness in front of God. We put pleasure in front of God. You will worship something. I will, and if we are not giving our lives totally to God, when our lifestyle contradicts his word, when you choose your lifestyle, you're worshiping the creation more than the creator. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. Does God exist? And man, that's, that's a question that a lot of people are asking. They ask that question during times of crisis. They ask that question um, during times of conflict. And the answer to the question is yes. The problem is, for us as believers though, sometimes we live our lives practically as atheists. We make decisions on our own. We don't think to um, seek guidance from God and we live our lives like God doesn't exist. And the sermon today is a call to um, live our lives in the knowledge and fear and understanding that there is a God and He cares about our situation and He expects our holiness. And so we need to live our lives with that in mind. Perhaps the God question for you has been in understanding who He is and what He did to have a relationship with you. And the truth is Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and ever since then we've all been born with a sin nature. Our sin has separated us from God so that we couldn't have a relationship with Him. But God sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. We've got to be willing to admit that we're sinners. We've got to believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day, making a way for us to have a relationship with God and an eternity in heaven. Maybe God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Him. It's as simple as telling God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe in Jesus' finished work on the cross, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Lord, right now, through the power of Your Holy Spirit, I ask You to come into my heart, take away my sin, and be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to You in Jesus' name. 
If you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning and you meant it, we want to say welcome to the family. We want to celebrate with you and we want to partner with you to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so we've just dropped a link in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. Click on that, answer a couple of questions. It's going to send me an email and I'll connect with you this week. Our time together this morning has been awesome. I look forward to these times each week. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.